The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker, and you are listening to episode 160 of the podcast. Or you're joining us live here on YouTube. If you guys want to catch the show live, be sure to search MMA on the Rocks on YouTube. Subscribe and set the notifications so you know that when we're going live, you can join in on the live chat, all that fun stuff. So much to talk about. UFC 243 in Melbourne, Australia. We got a fight night coming up next week. I was at some uh, amateur fights, local circuit here in Tampa, Florida last night. Before we get into all that and more, let me introduce my co-host all the way from New Jersey, Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff, before the people start asking, is the soup ready, kid? (laughs) Not yet, Bill. I had to turn the hot water back on first. Because there was a there was a, a problem in the gas line, so we had to take care of that yesterday. But Bill, everything's back to normal. Should be on later today. Sounds good. Keep us posted on the on the soup, kid. All right. <laughs> uh, I I don't miss the uh, the problems with the gas lines. We don't have those problems so much uh, in Florida here because there's no gas because we're we're too too close to sea level here, so they can't run gas lines. Uh, so everything's electric, no no gas stoves, no gas uh, boilers, no, none of that. Uh, we don't we don't mess with any of that stuff here in Florida. All right, so I want to kick things off. Um, I had to miss a, a good chunk of UFC 243 yesterday, uh, but for a good reason. I, I was at a, a local MMA show, the World Class Fight League WCFL, to to see my uh, my buddy and my training partner. Ben Zapata defend his lightweight championship, which he successfully did. Arm triangle choke in the third round of a very dominant fight for Ben. He looked awesome. Hit some great takedowns. His double leg was on point. Even hit a big Matt Hughes-like slam in the third round. Uh, Just looked great all around. And then uh, top-notch Brazilian jiu-jitsu, as expected, uh, from the man who has competed at the Worlds many times, competes in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu nonstop. If you want to feel like a lazy piece of shit, you guys should go follow Team Zapata BJJ on Instagram because this guy is one of the hardest working people I've ever met in my life. Um, I feel like I do a lot of stuff, Jeff. You know, I work, I take care of a toddler, uh, you know, which is a full-time job in itself. I get my training hours in every week but man this guy makes me feel lazy um you know he's up at like 4 30 in the morning swimming laps and then he's like rolling jujitsu at lunchtime uh, of his full-time job and then he's sparring at night or, or he's or he's teaching jujitsu at night um and, and leading up to this fight his his title defense last night um out of the last four weekends 
three of them, he was away competing in jujitsu competitions. He did the worlds in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. He did, I think the pans in New York, and then he drove to Atlanta and he did another tournament there. I think he won half of them. Uh, I can't even keep track uh, of the accolades this guy is racking up, but big congratulations to, to Ben Zapata uh, on defending his, his title last night. It was a fun show. The amateur shows are, um, are always a good time. It's always interesting. Uh, you, you get a certain kind of crowd. A uh, little wild. There's usually a fight in the audience. Um, uh, but they, they had some tight security last night, WCFL. So uh, uh, great promotion. They do a nice job. Uh, I believe you can look them up and, and catch that that show if you if you so choose. There, there wasn't a live stream, but I think they, they threw something up uh, later on. Um, all right, a lot to get to here uh, with the fight. So Jeff and I both had to go back and uh, and watch this. I was able to catch the top three fights on the card um, after the event last night. A bunch of us headed over to a uh, a local bar, and, and we were able to catch uh, the Tai Tuivasa Sergey Spivak uh, through the main event. Um, but let's start at the top here, Jeff uh, Israel Adesanya, who as of last before last night was the interim middleweight champion. Now the undisputed uh, king of the middleweight division, uh, just a phenomenal performance over Robert Whitaker, who, um, you, you know, I, I gotta admit, Jeff, I was wrong. I, I thought there was nowhere that Adesanya could beat Whitaker and, um, man, he, he stopped him in a second round with, with some nasty counter strikes, some matrix like moves, uh, you know, swinging his whole body back, which, you know, every striking coach will tell you never to do, uh, you know, don't, don't lean back. Uh, is it, is like, uh, you know, day three of striking, like, don't do that. Uh, but he did it and, and man, it worked. He, he was able to, to lean backwards and knock out Robert Whitaker. Uh, not an easy task. Uh, especially at middleweight, you know, he's been knocked out before at welterweight, but uh, since moving up to middleweight, he, he has looked, uh, you know, fairly indestructible. So give me your thoughts on this main event here, Jeff. Bill, I'm with you. I got to apologize to Israel Adesanya. I was in the same boat. I thought that Robert Whitaker was more well-rounded and I still think he is, but you know, Israel Adesanya just, he made Whitaker play his game and you know, Whitaker was pushing forward a lot, Bill, and I had noticed that in the first round, every time he pushed forward, he was getting caught with a jab or a, an uppercut or something. And it, it was only a matter of time, I think. I think Israel Adesanya is just so, you know, uh, there's no wasted motion with him. Every every movement is precise. It has a reason behind it. And it, like you said, man, the counter-strikes won the day. And uh, it was this one left hook in per, uh, yeah, a left hook in particular that just dropped um, Robert Whitaker. And it was a right hook that dropped him at the end of the first round, too. And, you know, Adesanya, he's, he's doing the right thing, man. Um, you know, I'm still not crazy about him, but I got to give credit where it's due. He went in there with the right game plan, you know, made Whitaker fight a little bit uh, different style. You know, we saw him throwing haymakers in the first round, um, throwing a haymaker at the end of right before he got finished. Um, he threw this big haymaker and his whole uh, left side was just exposed for for Adesanya to, to catch him with 
two or three punches before he went down. So credit to Israel Adesanya, dude. Um, still undefeated. Um, I I don't see you know I, I don't see him getting a, a challenge in the near future. Um, you know I don't know if you can give him Chris Weidman. I don't think he's earned it. Um, I don't know. Well, well, Weidman's a two hundred five now. Oh, that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Bill. Um, who at the top? Who do you see challenging him next? And do you think that they can present problems for Israel Adesanya? Um, yeah, I think there are guys who can give him problems. Um, uh, Paulo Costa being one of them, mm-hmm. and Yoel Romero being another. Um, I guess the the next logical challenge challenger would be Costa because they've got, you know, they've been doing a little back and forth and Costa was there cage side last night. And there was the call out, um, uh, a little childish on, on both of their parts. Oh yeah. Uh, which I, I wasn't a fan of, but, uh, you know, that's the fight to make. Um, just to rewind on, on Robert Whitaker's performance. Yeah. I was saying last night when we were watching this live, uh, my exact words were he keeps lunging in with that lead hook and he's going to pay for it. Uh, he had gotten in and out, but he was moving in a straight line. Israel Adesanya, you could tell he spent that entire first round just downloading Robert Whitaker's movement and his footwork and his patterns. And that one time that Robert Whitaker went in and didn't get right back out is when he really got clipped up hard. He tried to follow up that lead hook uh, with a combination, and he stayed in there too long, and he paid for it. And Adesanya, it was really just perfect timing. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like, it, it, it's not like he has incredible power in his hands, but he has the ability to make you run into punches mm. and, and that's a dangerous thing because, uh, you know, you could have a great chin, but if you slam your own chin into a punch that's coming towards you, uh, it's going to have double the impact pretty much. Um, so it, it's amazing that he has that kind of ability. And he also had the ability to get in Robert Whitaker's head, I think, and make him fight with emotion because Robert Whitaker was trying to use the strategy um, that Gaslam used and crowd him and not give him space and not let him download that timing. But in crowding him, he was giving him space as well. And he wasn't getting in and out uh, efficiently towards the end. Um, and, and it seemed like he kind of drained his gas tank a little bit too. And, and that might've been from the emotions as well. You know, it seemed like he really wanted to knock Israel out as opposed to out fight him, which I think he could have done, you know, if he mixed in some grappling and controlled the distance a little bit more, but you know, uh, again, credit to Adesanya outstanding performance. I, I think, I think the super fight with John Jones is still a ways away. Uh, I know those two have been going back and forth, but I don't think it's time yet. I know there's not really a challenge for John Jones at light heavyweight right now, but I think we're still going to have to wait on this one and see Israel defend this belt at middleweight once or twice at, while he starts putting on the mass to move up to 205. Uh, you know, th- there are some things down the line for John Jones. Uh, you know, the winner of the Dominic Reyes, Chris Weidman fight will likely get a title shot. And then, uh, Adesanya and Costa can settle their score. And if Jones and Adesanya both come out on top at the end of that, then maybe sometime in the summer of 2020, we see those two go at it in a super fight. Uh, that's kind of how I see things going down. 
Uh, yeah. So that's what I think's next. Uh, what are your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, dude, I think that uh, I think you're right. I think that we need to hold off on Adesanya versus John Jones. Uh, you know, let Adesanya get his feet wet a little bit more. Let him get more established in the middleweight division. And, you know, I, w- I really, w- I, I think that the Apollo Costa fight, I think you're right. I think that's the fight to make right now. And uh, that, that sounds exciting to me, man. Paulo Costa is a tough dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he's pretty well-rounded himself. You know, he's a, ju- he's good at jujitsu, you know, he's got a lot of power in his hands. So I think that's going to be an interesting style matchup, uh, for, for Israel Adesanya here. But, um, but do you think you should take some time off or do you think we would see that fight happen sometime towards December or January? What do you think? I think it'll definitely be next year probably the beginning of next year or maybe like the new year's Eve card, but it seems like Adesanya likes to stay active. I mean, he's Mm. fought, I think eight times in two years. uh, And that's as long as he's been in the UFC. Uh, So it seems like he, he likes to stay active. Um, You know, he comes from that kickboxing world where you're competing every other month. Uh, That's why he was able to rack up like 70 fights or whatever he had before even uh, turning to mixed martial arts. Um, Let's move on to the uh, the co-main event here. Uh, it was an unfortunate outcome for Ally Quinta, who I, I'm a I'm a big fan of personally. I, I you know I got to spend some time talking to him a couple of weeks ago when I was at uh, Longo Weidman on Long Island, and uh, I got to see some sparring, and he looked fantastic. Um, he looked tentative in this co-main event with Dan Hooker, and credit to Dan Hooker controlled this control the distance he had some nasty low calf kicks um he he hit al you know he threw everything but the kitchen sink at ally quinta which is what you have to do i mean there's there's zero quit in this guy and there were definitely opportunities for ally quinta to quit in this fight and he didn't uh you know he he hung in there like the warrior he is and um you know he was swinging right up until the last bell uh but uh, a fairly dominant performance for uh, Dan Hooker in, in his home country here. Um, give me your thoughts on this co-main event, Jeff. Yeah, Dan Hooker went in there with the right game plan. He controlled the distance well. Uh, like you said, the leg kicks were definitely working for him. Uh, towards the end of the fight, we saw Ally Akinta switch stances because he was just tired of getting his lead leg beat up. And credit to Ally Akinta too, man. In the second round, he went down you know, pretty hard, which we, we don't see too often. And, you know, he started going for, for sweeps and ended up almost getting a heel hook on Dan Hooker there. So really exciting fight from both of these guys. And, you know, I think that it's just a testament to Dan Hooker's skill, man. Um, he's well-rounded. He was able to keep up in the few grappling exchanges we saw. And, you know, he he's big for the division, but he uses it. He wields it well, mm-hmm. um, you know, did such a good job maintaining distance using, you know, beating up the lead leg, which I think was a really good strategy to kind of slow down uh, Rage and Al here. So a good fight from both of these guys. And Bill, what do you think is next for Dan Hooker here? Do you think he moves up uh, to take on somebody else in the top five? Yeah, definitely. At least somebody in the top 10. So Dan Hooker, again, was ranked, I think, 15th going into this fight. And Iaquinta was sixth or or somewhere up there. He was in the top 10 for sure. This was not a fight that Al had to take. Uh, 
you know, he could have turned down Dan Hooker, but he got called out. And the UFC even contacted Al and said, hey, we want to do this fight in New York. And he said, uh, no, he called me out and he said he wants to fight me in Australia. The answer is yes, I'm going to Australia and I'm going to fight him there. Um, you have to admire that kind of character with Ally Quinta because he easily could have declined that fight and said, no, I want to wait for somebody in the top five. Uh, and he didn't because he's a fucking warrior and he's, he's probably going to take a, a huge dip in the rankings while Dan Hooker takes a huge jump, uh, but well-deserved, you know, he had a dominant performance over a, a top 10 guy. I would like to see Dan Hooker and Paul Felder next personally. I think that's a really fun fight. Um, you know, we, we've already seen uh, Barbosa and Hooker go at it, and that didn't go well. Uh, I don't want to see that rematch anytime soon, especially because <laughs> I still have replays of it, like, in my nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, stop the fight. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's what I'd like to see. I think there's a lot of fun fights for Ally Quinta out there as well. You know, this division is so stacked. Uh, you know, a couple of wins will get him right back on track, but maybe he needs to take a little bit of time off. He's got two losses um, back to back to guys with similar styles. Uh, and, you know, the long rangy strikers and Dan Hooker and, um, and Cowboy Cerrone. And he lost those fights kind of in similar ways, uh, you know, just losing control of the distance and, and being being kept at bay against those guys. So um, it, it seems like there's a certain style that works against Ally Quinta, and he's just got to work those bugs out of his game. And he's got a great team around him, uh, a lot of great MMA minds who will help him do that. And he's mentally tough, and he's got the right attitude, and I have no doubt that he'll right the ship and uh, be back stronger than ever. Uh, but, yeah, it's a big dip for Ally Quinta because now he's got um, – you know, those three losses, uh, Khabib, which he, he still looked great. He's looked better than anybody else has looked against Khabib and then uh cowboy and Dan hooker. And, and he wasn't getting finished in those fights, but he, he's taken a lot of damage in his last couple of fights. So maybe take some time, heal up and, and work out those bugs, come back stronger. I want to take a quick break from the action here, Jeff, because I have something sitting next to me that I've been waiting to break out since the start of the show. My buddy Jonathan, who you're familiar with, Jeff, uh, the three of us laid down the turf in my backyard a couple of months ago when you were here in April. It was April, right? Yeah. So my buddy Jonathan took a trip to Kentucky, and he brought back um, some, some amazing whiskey here. I'll hold it up for those of you on YouTube. Basil Hayden's Dark Rye. So Basil Hayden makes a really nice bourbon. Uh, and this dark rye is blended with Canadian rye whiskey and port wine. So port wine is like a dessert wine. So this whiskey is really kind of sweet, a little syrupy, but not too sweet. Uh, it kind of, you know, the sweetness kind of lingers on your tongue a little bit. It's like drinking a Manhattan cocktail, almost drinking this whiskey uh, straight. And it's got like some dark cherries on the nose and, um, like some sweet grapes on the finish and it's just a really awesome whiskey. So big shout out to Jonathan for coming through, uh, with a little something to, to mix up my, uh, my pumpkin beer habits as of late, but, uh, just an awesome, awesome whiskey. So big thanks to him for, for bringing this back 
from Kentucky. I don't know if this is something that's available just in the Kentucky area. Um, cause Basil Hayden does come out of Frankfurt, uh, or if it's something that's widely available, I have no idea, but, uh, I know I'm going to, uh, to, to treasure this, uh, bottle of liquid gold here. Uh, any thoughts on that, Jeff, before we get back into the fights? Yeah, dude, it looks good. I like the combination of, uh, some grapes and cherries in there to mellow it out a little bit. It sounds good. Yeah, man. It kind of, uh, the sweetness kind of blends with the spiciness of the mm-hmm. rye because rye whiskey is a little bit spicy and that sweetness just smooths it right out. So you get the spiciness up front and then it's just like, uh, like a smooth sensation comes mm-hmm. over you. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Uh, let's get on to the heavyweights here. Sergey Spivak getting the um, technical submission over Ty Tuivasa. And Tuivasa looked pretty good in the in the opening round. Um, but I don't know. I don't know, man. He, he seems to put all his eggs in one basket. You know, when things don't really go his way and the, and the game plan doesn't work out, it's like there's no plan B. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a dangerous thing. I mean, I understand you're a big, strong heavyweight and you got a lot of knockout power, but you got to have something else to lean back on. Um, credit to Spivak too. Cause he took a, he took a, a beating in that first round, especially with those leg kicks. Uh, because what happens with grapplers is they usually have a wider stance, which means they have a lot of weight on their lead leg. Uh, and that's because you have to spring off that leg for takedowns and stuff like that. Uh, but it makes it harder to check leg kicks. And Tuivasa was just hammering that lead leg of Spivak in the first round. Um, uh, those leg kicks were nasty. It's a, it's amazing that Spivak was actually able to get this fight to the ground uh, in the second round. You know, maybe the adrenaline or whatever. Uh, he wasn't feeling those leg kicks yet. Uh, and then he got on top of Tuivasa. He locked up that arm triangle choke. It looked like he wouldn't even have enough space to get yeah, off to the side yeah. that he needed to do to finish this choke. And he somehow did it, man. He, he like he like scooted Tuivasa's body over with his knees just to get enough space to get in between him and the cage. And then uh, Tuivasa, um, it, it seemed like he went out. Um, but it, it also kind of looked like he just maybe didn't want to tap and he, he's, he stiffened up. Um, cause it didn't look like the choke was like completely on the carotid on one side. I don't want to throw these kind of accusations out there. Um, but you know, he did come to pretty quickly, uh, you know, and, and maybe it was like a flash thing. He just went out for a second and, uh, Steve Percival did a good job of, of breaking it just at the right time. Uh, but he goes unconscious and, uh, Sergei Spivak getting his first win in the UFC and, and looking good. Uh, against the young uh, local boy, Tuivasa. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, dude, I was really impressed with Sergey here. Um, you know, it wasn't just the double leg takedowns, man. In that first round, he he hit a leg uh, a headlock and just was so easily able to throw Tai Tuivasa over his hip, man. Um, he did that a few times to him, and Tuivasa – like you said, man, that first round was super explosive, getting out from under him. You know, it was re- looking really good. Uh, he couldn't be held down in the first round. And then, like you said, man, um, he he just emptied the tank out in that first round. There was no plan B, um, which, like you said, I think that's a very dangerous game to play. And, you know, uh, Sergey was just uh, – sorry, I'm having a hard time remembering his last name. Sergey Spivak was just – 
so aggressive with his wrestling, man. In the second round, uh, he caught this double and pinched um, Tai Tuivasa's knees together. And from there, there was no stopping that takedown. And, mm-hmm. you know, just working really well on the ground. Uh, like you said, I, I didn't think he was going to have enough space for that arm triangle. But he just must have had a really tight squeeze. And Tai Tuivasa also went the wrong way. He went towards... Um, towards the center of the octagon instead of trying to face uh sergey which is you know bad move um yeah dude so really impressed with sergey spivak only a second fight in the ufc and i feel like tai tuivasa is a pretty big feather in in his cap here tai tuivasa has beaten some some pretty known names you know he's got a win against andre arlovsky he's got some impressive knockouts um so yeah dude i thought this fight was really really exciting and you know, I think Tai Tuivasa, I think he just needs to go back to the drawing board a little bit um, and, you know, just prepare a little bit more because mm-hmm. you, you can't knock out everybody. Some some guys just, you can't. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, it's a it's a tough skid for Tai Tuivasa because here you have a, a young guy, 26 years old. He's got a lot of personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got some highlight reel knockouts. That flying knee knockout of Rashad Coulter oh, in yeah. 2017, amazing. I mean, you could reuse that forever uh, in his highlight reel, but this is three losses in a row. I thought Arlovsky won the fight yeah. uh, uh, against uh, Tuivasa when they fought back in june of 2018 uh and robert whitaker actually was the headliner of that card as well a little little bit of trivia there uh so you know that's three losses in a row and like uh you know really narrow decision win over over andre arlovsky um you know maybe it's just time for some some lower competition or something or uh, he's got to sort something out with his with his mental game, I, I don't know what the answer is, but um, you know, it's a guy who has the potential to be a superstar in this heavyweight division. He really does. Uh, he, you know, he's got explosive knockouts and power. I mean, he's got to figure out the grappling stuff and um, and come back at it with a different approach, I guess. Um, let's move on. Split decision win for Diego Lima over Luke Jamo. Uh, I thought this split decision was fucking ridiculous. Diego yeah. clearly, <laughs> clearly won the first and the second round. Like there's, I, I could have shown this to my daughter who's a year and a half <laughs> years old. And, and she would have said like, Oh yeah, Diego Lima won. Um, the third round I could maybe see, you know, both guys were, you know, Jamo was pushing the pace a little bit. Um, but, uh, uh, this was a clear victory for Diego Lima. He looked like he hadn't even been in a fight at the end of this. He's smiling, and Jamo looked like just defeated. Whoever that judge is that gave it to Jamo, just get the fuck out of here. I mean, what are you doing here? What are you doing? <laughs> get the yeah. fuck out of here. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Bill, you hit the nail right on the head, man. I. I didn't see how this was a split decision. I don't know who called that one, but you know, Diego Lima clearly um, dominant on the feet in the first two rounds using those leg kicks, man. I thought, you know, you could see Luke Jamo in between the second and third round with this massive hematoma on his right cat on his left calf. I mean, at the end of the second round, yeah, he landed a hard shot and then he caught two more, you know, for his trouble. So 
you know, I, I felt I've just felt like Diego Lima. I, I don't. I think you could have even given him the third round, honestly. Um, I, you know, I didn't see. Yeah, Luke Jamal was pushing the pace a little bit, but he was getting caught a lot on the yep. way in. So I would have even given him the third round. Um, but yeah, dude, great performance by Diego Lima. Luke Jamal, very tough, very game competition. So credit to Diego Lima. Um, I think he may have been the underdog coming into this one. Don't quote me on that, but a uh, good performance for him, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but fuck that one, Judge. Still. Yeah. Um, so, uh, obviously, Israel Adesanya getting one of the performance of the night bonuses for his knockout of the champ, Robert Whitaker. The other one went to Jorgen De Castro for a nasty knockout of just the undefeated Justin Taffa. Two big grizzly bear heavyweights these guys were both 265 on the nose um at the beginning of this fight was wild uh and then it, it got to be like tafa holding the castro up against the cage and then he tried to rush in onto castro and i rewatched this maybe 10 times i just kept rewinding it the castro did this little thing where he like adjusted his shorts and then he threw this counter right hook <laughs> yep. as half uh, was coming in and just starched them cold. Yeah, man. I didn't, oh I didn't watch God. this fight, Jeff. But while I was at the, while I was at the um, WCFL last night, I felt like a little tremor, like the ground was shaking a little bit, and that's because <laughs> on the other side of the world. Justin Taffa was hitting the canvas in Melbourne. <laughs> Come on, thunderous strike from Jorgen De Castro in his UFC debut. And man, I would love to see this guy fight again. Uh, I I just liked I I liked the way he carried himself. Like he 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 had his hands down. He like kept fixing his shorts and then he just like <laughs> boom. Yeah. Down. Give me your thoughts on this one, Jeff. Oh my god, dude. I had to rewatch the finish too a few times, man, because it it looked like he didn't even hit like he kind of grazed his chin a little bit mm -hmm. as um as uh Tava was was pushing forward and then his whole body just drops like a bag of bricks, man. Mm -hmm. Um he's not moving and De Castro pulls up his shorts a little bit and just takes a lap around the cage <laughs> i love the cut of this guy's jib man yeah he um, can't leave out the short tug yeah it's like yeah, it dude, just like, made the moment he's like yeah. hold on all right good night <laughs> yeah like and he did that a few times and you know at first i wasn't crazy about it but then it, it was pretty awesome and uh you know he was so humble in the interview too man he, he was grateful for for the opportunity he was hoping that his opponent recovered you know soon and Dude, I I think this may have been his uh, his UFC debut. I think De Castro's off the contender series, if I'm not mistaken. But um, dude, good for him. I can't wait to see this guy fight again if he can produce more finishes like that. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's awesome to see you know the the heavyweight division uh, exciting again. And you're right, he was off the contender series uh, season three episode one. Um, it was a TKO due to leg kicks that he, he won on there. So uh, 32 years old, he's a spring chicken in this heavyweight division. Uh, he's, he's a young buck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, awesome. Can't wait to see him fight again. All right, so the third um, the third bonus was the fight at night, and that was Brad Riddell and Jamie Malarkey. Uh, definitely deserving of fight of the night, but you could probably skip the first 
like two and a half rounds. Like go to <laughs> go to the the latter half of the third <laughs> round, and you'll see why these guys won fight of the night. Because I knew they won fight of the night before watching the fight, and then I was like halfway through the fight, I was like, how the fuck did these guys win fight of the night? And then it got to that third round, and I was like, oh, that's why they both dropped each other. Uh, Malarkey had a full full on rear naked choke at one point. Uh, his cauliflower ear exploded. There was reversals. There was the, the kickboxer Riddell hitting a takedown in the third round. Uh, Malarkey had a really nice stiff jab uh, that he kept making Riddell run into. The, the, the last round of this fight was fucking bananas. Um, and, and they deserve that bonus. Uh, this was a wild one. And uh, Jamie Malarkey kind of looks like Jason Biggs from American Pie. So that was kind of was kind of interesting <laughs> to see him fighting because that's like not somebody you expect to be a good fighter. Um, but in, in any case, Brad Riddell coming away with the unanimous decision definitely deserving of that because uh, Malarkey took much more damage in this one. But um, yeah, if he missed this one, I'd say skip the first two rounds, maybe two and a half, and um, check out the last like two minutes and 45 seconds of that third round. And you'll understand why these guys are both $50,000 richer. Did you catch this one, Jeff? Unfortunately I did not bill, but now I'm going to go back and watch it at your recommendation. Um, but I did catch uh, one prelim fight on here. Um, the Megan Anderson versus Sarah Farron fight. I don't know if you caught this one, mm -hmm. Bill, but um, Farron came out really, really strong, was pushing Anderson against the cage. And then, in, you know, uh, basically uh, the biggest plot twist, Megan Anderson went for a takedown. Um, I think she's a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Don't quote me on it. But, um, dude, her grappling, she's been working on a little bit. Um, uh, Farron got up from, from under a full mount position, but her arm was – she came out with her one arm up and one arm under, mm -hmm. and Megan Anderson – did this role where she ended up in a in a triangle mm -hmm. and did a great job of finishing that triangle. And I'm not doing it justice the way I'm explaining it, but go back and watch this one. I it's um, they don't make it out of the first round. Uh, I was really impressed with Megan Anderson. You know, I think her grappling still needs a lot of work, but uh, I think she's making strides in the right direction here. Yeah, she was able to control Farron, who is one of the few women who's a, a legitimate featherweight as well. Uh, they're both about the same height. She's probably yeah. near six feet, if not six feet even. Uh, so it was interesting to see Megan Anderson in there with someone like that. Farron uh, stormed across the octagon as soon as this thing started and got right in Megan Anderson's face. And yeah, uh, surprised to say that it was the grappling of Megan Anderson, who not too long ago was out grappled by Holly Holm, not yeah. known for her grappling. Um, you know, coming away with the submission win. And I like how she just locked up that triangle and used those long legs of hers uh, to her advantage. Uh, you know, you could tell she puts in a lot of time with the grappling. And I also like how she trapped her own arm inside the yeah. triangle. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you caught this, Jeff, uh, because her legs are so long. And what happens sometimes is there, there will be space that the person yeah. inside the triangle will be able to breathe. Um, but by putting her own arm in there, creates less space inside the choke. So that was, that was a great little detail that I noticed from Megan and, and she slipped it in there like, 
almost unassumingly like you yeah. don't you don't see it and then she used her one free hand to to pull Farron's head down and Farron hung in there for a little while but because of that arm stuck in the triangle uh there was no space in there for Farron to breathe and she had to tap right at the end of the first round um the last fight i want to talk about was from the prelims jeff and i know you probably didn't catch this one uh ji yan kim mm. gets the uh the ko over Nadia Kasim. Uh, and this was an interesting fight. So Ji Yan missed weight, and you could see the size difference between these two. Kasim looked like she could be a straw weight, and Kim looked like she could be a bantam weight. And uh it was weird, man, because Kasim came out, she went for the the high five and then throws a body kick at the same time. Like a little bit dirty. Well, that's how you knew it. Yeah, a little she bit thought dirty. She had a friend, Bill. Yeah, <laughs> thought you had a friend. Uh, a little bit dirty, but you know, I'll allow it because Kim missed weight. So there's That's that. Fair. Um, Kasim was definitely the faster fighter. She had a nice double overhook throw in the first round that, that was really cool looking and, um, you know, really hard to pull off, especially against a bigger opponent. So what happens is your opponent gets the double underhooks which you never really want to give up. But the counter to that is to kind of clamp down. And then she had, she hit a nice throw off of that double mm -hmm. overhook position. It, it looked pretty good. So you would have thought she'd have the, the grappling advantage here, but um, she had the speed advantage, but she just didn't have any snap on her kicks. Kim was just walking through all of them. Uh, and, and Kim was moving really slow, almost robotic. But when she was landing, she was landing hard, and she did damage to Kasim and uh, really rocked her. The, the one thing that was fucked up about this fight, um, the, the, the referee Jim Parados made a mistake here. Uh, at one point, Kasim's mouthpiece fell out, and she was getting lit up by Kim. And mm. the referee stepped in and stopped her mid-punch so that Kasim could put her mouthpiece back in. Uh, this was a huge mistake. I mean, if the mouthpiece comes out, you got to wait for a break in the action to give it back to the fighter. Um, I mean, that's just, you know, I'm always saying, Jeff, I hate any interference by the referees. If they want to stop the fight, um, you know, while nothing's going on to give the fighter back their mouthpiece, fine. But if they lose the mouthpiece and it's in the middle of an exchange, you got to let that finish yeah. out. You got to let it play out. You know, if she gets... Uh, you know, if she loses a tooth because of it, you know, she should have bit down hard on it or, or got a better fitting mouthpiece or, or something like that. You can't break the action, uh, to give the fighter back their mouthpiece. But, um, in any case, Kim still wound up getting the KO victory with one second left in the second round. So this fight was, uh, was worth watching on the early prelims. Um, is there anything else from this card, Jeff, that, that we missed that you wanted to talk about or, or did we kind of hit it all? No, I think we hit it all, Bill. It felt like it was a bit of a quiet night in Australia, man. Uh, aside from a few referees' decisions, there was another decision I wasn't too happy with, uh, but I can't remember it off the top of my head here. Uh, other than that, you know, it wasn't a bad card. It just, you know, it felt a little quiet, you know. Uh, I I just thought it would be – I I thought there'd be more buzz after, after uh, what happened last night. Yeah, I felt the same way, but maybe that's I, I thought it was just me coming from a, a live event in Tampa and then going to watch this at a bar and they had like the volume on a on a baseball game or something. I think the I think the devil raiser in the playoffs uh, it, 
I don't even know if baseball playoffs are going on right now, to be honest, but um, it was kind of weird watching the fights with the baseball audio in the background. I usually don't have the volume on anyway, so I never know what the commentators are saying, but I did go back and rewatch uh, the, the, the top couple of fights this morning, and I got to hear DC's commentary there. But speaking of being at live fights, Jeff, I'm going to be at UFC Fight Night 161 next week. So if you are a listener of this show and you are going to be in attendance as well, send me a message on social media and uh, come say hello. We'll have a beer together. But uh, I'm excited for this fight night. And um, it's going to be headlined by strawweights, Ioana Janjacek, the former champ, and the karate hottie, Michelle Watterson. Uh, awesome main event. It's great that these ladies are going to be highlighted uh, in the main event here. And this is a really awesome card that I'm really looking forward to uh, to attending live and in person. Uh, but before we get too far into it, Jeff, give me your thoughts on this main event here between Young Jacek and Watterson. I love it. Uh, I think these are two world-class fighters. I'm a fan of both of them, Bill. Uh, you know, I, I and, you know, I, oh, man. I'm a fan of both of them, but I kind of want Michelle Watterson to win because I feel like she's very deserving of the next strawweight uh, title bout here. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that uh, Ioana took some time off after the loss to Rose Namajunas. You know, it was a tough one. Um, you know, a fight that she felt she'd won. And, you know, I'm excited to see what the time off has done for her. Michelle Watterson, you know, she's been a little quiet as well. So I think um, they're going to come in in good shape. I think they're going to come in rested, raring for a fight. So I'm excited, man. And I, honestly, I can't tell you who wins this one. I think that Joanna and Jacek is just so good at what she does. And she's built a fighting style where she can use her grappling to avoid grappling. Uh -huh. um, and just keep the fight on the feet and dominate there. And, you know, her striking is just so good. And I think we forget that because of the losses to Rose Nama Yunus. Mm -hmm. But um, Michelle Watterson also uh, very, very good on the feet as well. You know, a Taekwondo black belt. Um, uh, I'm sorry, a karate black belt. And, you know, she she's no slouch on the ground either. So I'm really excited to see if Michelle Watterson can hold down Yana and Jacek because not many people have been able to do that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, dude, but I love that main event. I think it's I think it's a great fight to make. So, Bill, I think you're in for a treat next week. Looking up and down at this card, you're getting a lot of uh, you might have to send the UFC another check, Bill, because you're getting your money's worth here. <laughs> I think I've sent them enough of my money, Jeff. But uh, sticking with this main event, we got a question here in a live chat from our buddy Tommaso Mark. He wants to know if Joanna doesn't finish Michelle, considering that she is it is a favorable mashup for her, would you consider the thought of Joanna being on a decline? My personal answer is no. If she's able to get a victory over Michelle Watterson, who arguably could be fighting for the title right now, instead of taking this uh, fight with Joanna, I think even a decision win over Michelle Watterson is a big statement for Joanna, who, you know, has struggled as of late, but, you know, she just found that person in Rose Namajunas who kind of has her number, and then she moved up to the higher weight class to, to fight Valentina. Uh, another good point by Mark here is that Joanna hasn't cut to 115 in a while. This may be a factor uh, since she's had some trouble with the weight cuts before. Never missed weight, but just had a lot of trouble with them. Um, from pictures I've seen of her, she looks lean. She looks yeah. uh, leaner than she used to. 
when she was fighting at 115. So maybe she figured out some things with her diet. Um, I, I'm pretty confident that the weight cut won't affect her. Um, I think this is going to be a very competitive fight. Uh, I do see Joanna as the favorite here, just being the former champ. Uh, but Michelle Waterson, uh, you know, she does well in those fights that she's not supposed to win. So there's all that. You, you have anything to add, Jeff? Yeah, I think uh, I don't think you can ever count Michelle Waterson out here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, she's had some tough fights, uh, former Invicta champion at Adam weight. And, you know, I think she looks she's going to look great at, at straw weight. Um, I, I don't think she'll have any problems making it, uh, making weight on that day. And, you know, Michelle Waterson's very well rounded. Um, <clears throat> so I, I think she can present a lot of problems for Joanna. So. I think that if Joanna can't finish Michelle Waterson, um, I don't think that's a that's any indication of a decline. I think that uh, I actually don't expect her to finish Michelle Waterson. I don't think she can. Um, I think that if she does win this fight, it's going to be a slow grind. It's going to be over three rounds. She she's going to have to fight smart. Maybe mm -hmm. you know throwing some leg kicks. Um, you know, push Michelle Watterson up against the cage and use her clinch. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see her uh, finishing Michelle Watterson. Even you know, even as at uh, when she was champ, I don't think she could finish Michelle Watterson. Could be only one way to find out. Oh yeah, and that's uh, that's checking out Fight Night One Sixty One. A lot of exciting fights on this card, including the co-main event. But before we talk about that, I want to get to my boy Matt Steamroller Frivola. Um, fighting back here in Tampa next week against violent Bob Ross, Luis Pena. So of course, Matt Frivola, friend of the show, uh, was on a couple episodes back before his fight with Jalen Turner, which he looked awesome. Very similar matchup, long rangy fighter. The difference here is that, uh, Pena has got, you know, really slick grappling. Uh, he's, he's a, a bit more well-rounded, than Jalen Turner. I think this is a really fun fight. These are two guys that are both good everywhere. Um, Matt Frivola, I think, has the advantage in the wrestling department. Other than that, um, you know, th these guys are, are both super well-rounded. I think this is going to be a really exciting fight for the fans. Uh, I don't think either of them have ever been in a boring fight. So uh, I, I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, Matt Frivola has been doing part of his training camp here in Tampa, Gracie Tampa South with Matt Arroyo, uh, who will be in his corner. My jiu-jitsu coach, the great Jeff Bailey, will be in his corner as well. Um, Ray Longo will not be able to make it into his corner because uh, he's just getting back. He'll just be getting back from Australia. But um, looking forward to see the steamroller go to work. And and um, I, I like watching Pena fight as well. He's he's an exciting fighter. And that's why when these two started going at it on social media, you know, in a, in a respectful way, I, I was getting excited because I think this is a fun matchup. What are, what are your thoughts, Jeff? Bill, I'm excited. I'm glad that uh, your boy Jeff Bailey is going to be in his corner. I got to train with him. I think the last not the last time i went to visit you but the time before that um so yeah I, and bill i'll be honest with you um some of the concepts that he talked about uh when i when i was there i still use in my game um mm -hmm. you know they always just stuck with me they made a lot of sense so uh, i know he's in good hands with uh, coach bailey and um yeah that's gonna be an exciting fight man the 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 violent bob ross is gonna be 
in there. Um, I, I, you know, I, um, I think he was injured for a bit or something, but mm-hmm. uh, good to see him back in there. I think that stylistically, I think this fight is going to be fun everywhere. I think they're both very good grapplers. They're both very good on the feet as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill, but before we go on, I got another question from uh, Tommaso Mark here. So his first one is, what is your reaction to Cub Swanson, who's the co uh, headliner here, uh, saying he was kicked out of some jujitsu schools in LA because of favoritism for the Gracie family. So, Bill, I think we've we've probably come across a few people who've been kicked out of gyms before. But what do you think on this one, Bill? Uh, I didn't hear him say this, but that's it, you know it gives an interesting twist because Crone Gracie uh, is one of the the first Gracies in a long time to win a fight in the UFC. I think. I mean, I think they went gosh, uh, close to like 10 years or something without a win in the UFC. Mm. Um, so, you know, if that adds an element of drama, then, then that's cool. I think this is an interesting co-main event because Crone Gracie, you know, phenomenal jujitsu top shelf. Uh, I mean, obviously the lineage he comes from, but also has his own kind of fierceness that he added to it. And I don't think he's just going to be able to uh, walk into that inside Gracie uh, leg trip with Cub Swanson. It's gonna it's gonna be a little bit uh, rougher, and he's gonna have to he's gonna have to walk through hell to get Cub Swanson to the ground. Once he does, I, I think it's trouble for Cub on the ground. Uh, as far as Cub Swanson getting kicked out of schools because of the the Gracie stuff, then. Well, you know, I think it it, it adds a, a little bit of fun to this matchup uh, that's already really intriguing as a co-main event. What are your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, um, I, you know, I don't know too much about that, but people get kicked out of schools for different things, man. Um, uh-huh. You know, I, 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 it's not my story to tell, but, uh, you know, I, I know a couple of people have been kicked out of our, uh, the gym where we met, Bill. Uh, uh-huh. And, you know, you know, I don't want to talk about that stuff because it's none of my business. But, you know, um, it happens. Sometimes things just don't work out. So, yeah. you know, there, there could be a hundred reasons why Cub Swanson doesn't train with the Gracies. But, um, you know, speaking just on this fight, I think you're right, man. I think that Cron Gracie is not going to have an easy time getting this fight to the ground. Cub Swanson, you know, he's he's a scrapper. You know, he's going to be in there in his face for three rounds. He's going to make his life very difficult for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, Bill, just looking up and down at this card, man, there's some exciting fights on here. I'm actually a little jealous that you can go um, because I have it's Columbus Day weekend and I have uh, some meetings. Uh, I don't have to teach on fr- the Friday before, but I have to be at work for meetings and stuff so i probably can't mm-hmm. fly out there um but man mackenzie dern's on here um eric wait, Andrews. wait wait slow down jeff mackenzie dern who just had a child like yesterday uh <laughs> no she wouldn't have made weight anyway i mean what are you talking about <laughs> 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 she's gonna use like, that as an excuse for what she doesn't make it on the scale she does have an excuse this time i'll, I'll accept like baby weight like she she gave birth like last week and she's going to be fighting a professional cage fight <laughs> next Saturday. Uh, this is crazy. I don't know how long ago she did have the kid, but it was like three months or, or something yeah, absurd yeah. like this. Yeah. Uh, so new mother, uh, 
man, set seven and zero Mackenzie Dern uh, against the seven and one Amanda Ribas. Uh, that that's a fun fight right there. And then you were just getting to uh, Eric Anders and Gerald Mearshart. Yeah, that one's going to yep. be a slobber knocker. I think someone goes to sleep in that one. We have James Vick versus Nico Price. Ryan Spans in here. Max Griffin, who I remember I enjoyed his last outing. Um, J.J. Aldrich, the most violent fifth-grade-looking person you're ever going to meet. <laughs> um, <laughs> Marlon Vera versus Andre Yule looks like a really fun fight. So, Bill, out of all these fights I've thrown at you, or any of the ones of the other ones on the card, which one is wetting your palate here, bud? Uh, I gotta say, I, I like uh, I like James Vick and Nico Price. I think this one's gonna be at 170. I've been campaigning for James Vick to move up to 170 for a long time now. I, I think it'll be a, a good spot for him. I, I think he was really sucking himself out too much to get to 155. Uh, Eric Anders and Gerald Mearshart, of course. Uh, you know, you got that crazy knockout power and that aggressive pressure of Eric Anders against. The, the grappling ability of Gerald Mearshart. I think this that's a really fun fight. Um, hey, I'm in, I'm really intrigued to see what Mackenzie Dern is going to, is going to do, you know, like 17 hours after giving birth and getting into change. <laughs> I, I can't get over this, man. I was impressed when I heard Michelle Watterson talk about how she had her first pro fight, like 10 months after giving birth. Um, it definitely hasn't been that long for Mackenzie Dern. Yeah. So, um, Man, that's that's impressive. It'll be even more impressive if she makes weight, which I doubt. But uh, <laughs> well, Bill, I I agree with with uh, Tommaso Mark here. He says that uh, that uh, Mackenzie Dern will give her a nine pound weight allowance, which I'm all for. <laughs> that's <laughs> this that's one fair. time. This yeah. one time. Yeah, if it's within like two weeks of having a child, like yeah, <laughs> give her the allowance here. <laughs> It's like all the placenta that hasn't come out yet. <laughs> we gotta account for this. Oh, jeez. <laughs> There's still a little bit lingering in there. Um, all right, man. I'm excited. So again, if you guys are gonna be at uh, Fight Night 161, I'll be there as well. Uh, a lot of the Gracie Tampa team will be there. Um, so you know, come say hello. As always, I, I, I love. Uh, you know, interacting with people who listen to the show on social media in person. Uh, otherwise, you know, just don't show up at my house in eight in the morning and uh, we'll be okay. Um, one non MMA related thing, Jeff, I did happen to go and catch a matinee of the new Joker on Friday. And I don't want to give anything away because it is a, a fairly new film. And you know me, Jeff, I'm not into the superhero films. I don't, I don't really like, a lot of that stuff, I, um, it, it just doesn't interest me. But I loved this movie. Really? Uh, wow. Yeah. It, it was one of the best films I've seen in the theater uh, in a long time. I thought Joaquin Phoenix was phenomenal. I think out of the current actors available, you couldn't you couldn't have picked a more perfect person to play this role. Um, I know a lot of people were upset. There's something about like there shouldn't be an origin story for the Joker because it he should be mysterious and this and that. But it, if you let all that go, um, and just look at it as as like a piece of art, which it really is. It was a it was a phenomenal performance. The the cinematography and the way it was directed, everything about it. Um, I, I just thought 
I just thought it was amazing. It, it gripped my attention the entire time. Some people thought it, it was a slow moving film. I didn't think so. I, I thought it like really grips you. It was very dark. Um, and yeah, man, just an interesting take uh, on this character. And, and I thought uh, Joaquin Phoenix blew it out of the water. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, so highly recommend, but you know, again, if you're into these sort of things, like if you're a big fan of the Batman movies, I, I'm not. So maybe, uh, something that I like you, you might not. So, you know, take my opinion with a grain of salt if you're really into that kind of stuff. But, um, I liked it because it was real, you know, it's like something that could really happen. Hmm. Uh, and, and that's really what kind of, kind of grasped me about it. Yeah, and um, you know, we're getting a little bit off topic here, but I guess it's okay. Um, <clears throat> you know, the, the Joker, there have been a couple of origin stories of him in the comics. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's one in particular called, um, uh, I forgot the name of it. I think it's uh, The Man Who Laughs or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. It's called The Killing Joke. Um, and in that story, it's basically designed to to show, you know, how one bad day, can can drive somebody off the edge, so you know, um, you know, I'm I'm really fascinated. I wasn't really excited uh, about the Joker movie just because, you know, so many people have played him at this point. Mm -hmm. But I, I've you know, hearing it from you and a couple of friends who've seen it, it seems like the the viewers, the fans who went and watched it, really enjoyed the movie, but the critics didn't. But I mean, fuck the critics. I, I I feel like Rotten Tomatoes doesn't like any movies. So yeah. uh, so I'm probably gonna have to check it out this week. Like, Rotten uh, Tomatoes lost all credibility when they gave Dave Chappelle's latest stand up a zero percent. Um that's that's just absurd. That yeah. that special was hilarious. Oh yeah, I, I loved it. Um yeah, so definitely go see it, Jeff. I think you would really enjoy it. And it, it really highlight, it really does highlight, you were saying, you know, one bad day could really, uh, really put someone off the rails. Um, so I, I'm a big believer in, you never really know what other people are going through and what's going on in their heads. So just be good to each other out there, will you? You know, try and pick somebody up when you can. Do nice things for people. Just be a good person. Contribute something to society. Otherwise, just fuck off. We don't need you. Um, I'm all for it, Bill. <laughs> so that's my uh, that's my uplifting message of the day. Be good to people or fuck off. <laughs> and I think we'll end it on that. Uh, th big thanks to Mark for the questions. And um, you know we love when people interact with the show we love when people interact with us on social media so if you want to get a hold of jeff the animal wilson you can do so at animal underscore wilson on twitter and instagram and you guys know how to get a hold of me it's at mma on the rocks everywhere on social media you can send me an email if you want mma on the rocks at gmail.com visit our website I'm putting a lot of fun content up there i got some highlights of past interviews going up there now uh, that I'm slowly adding to, you know, clipping up some old episodes so you don't have to go digging through the thousands of hours of MMA on the rocks that are available to you on the internet. Uh, but if you want to, by all means, go yeah, back and listen. <laughs> yeah, go back and listen to episodes one through 160. I think there's even a couple of two-parters in there for you guys. So catch up. And in the meantime, I'm going to pour myself another Basil Hayden's Dark Rye. 
because uh, I'm really enjoying it and it's rainy outside and what's better than a nice sweet rye whiskey on a rainy day? Not much, I would say. So for Jeff the Animal Wilson, I'm Bill Welker. Until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>